What's going on, people? I'm Brian. This is Pastor Reacts. Today, we are checking out Hallelujah by Pentatonix. It's originally by a guy named Leonard Cohen, and we're going to get into some of the lyrics behind it and everything, and primarily because, for some reason, Christians love this song, and they want to sing it all the time, and they think it's so beautiful and wonderful, and I don't know that we always know what we're actually singing about and what it actually says, although there are some clear biblical connections to it, even beyond the name hallelujah and so we're gonna break all that down let's hit the intro and get to it okay so this is hallelujah again the pentatonics version just because i think it's pretty and i wanted to go through that one so we'll look at that let's check out this first verse and chorus and see how it goes I wish I could sing bass like that. All right, so let's break down that first verse. He writes, I've heard there was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord. What on earth is that about? Um, is there a secret chord that David played and, and it really made God happy? Kinda. When we look in First First Samuel sixteen, and this is actually something that Leonard Cohen said that the guy who, again the guy who wrote this said that he was referencing this piece here. Um, but I think what we're going to find uh, as we really look at the lyrics that um, it may not be the biblical uh, worship song or devotion that a lot of people for some reason take it to be. Uh, but we'll find out. See if you land there with me. But um, Leonard Cohen said that he wrote this lyric based in 1 Samuel 16, uh, really verse 23. Whenever the Spirit of God came on Saul, which was an evil spirit, um, not the Spirit of God, a spirit from God, um, that God had allowed an evil spirit to come and torment Saul. And he was in such agony that he, uh, he started asking all of his mediums and prophets and everybody like, what can we do to get rid of this thing? And they said, well, maybe if you have somebody who can really play the harp or the lyre, which was like a small handheld harp, um, find somebody who can play that. And they're like, oh, I know this guy, Jesse's son, David. He's out with the sheep. He's also like really handsome and he's a good warrior and everything else. So he'd be a great dude to have around. And so Saul brings him in, makes him his armor bearer, which means he's kind of like Saul's right hand, you know, servant guy around all the time. And whenever the evil spirit would come and torment Saul, then this is how, whenever the spirit from God came on Saul, David would pick up his lyre and play and Saul would then be relieved, feel better. And the evil spirit would leave him. And so 
this spirit sent by God was apparently appeased and or sent away whenever David would play the this little handheld harp thing. And so is there this secret chord that David played? Probably not. It's probably David's devotion to God that uh, allowed him to serve in this way and to um, have this kind of spiritual effect on the situation. Um, but it does tie back to a biblical situation. But listen to the lyrics that are actually written here. I've heard there was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord, but you don't really care for music, do you? On the one hand, uh, some people have taken that to be like kind of an aside, you know, like breaking the fourth wall, like all of a sudden he's talking to the audience, like you guys don't really care about music, huh? But it hits me more that he's actually saying it to God, like you don't really care about the music. You don't care about anything. The whole song is kind of this dismissive break from faith rather than this devotion to God in faith. So I, I don't think it's really drawing near to God in worship the way you might think it is, especially when we look at the rest of it. Now here in the, in the second part of this first verse, he does something really cool um, that it, it takes a little bit of music knowledge to really grasp what he's saying here. So I have a guitar and um, originally the song, uh, Pentatonics does this in a completely different key. It, I, I know it in the key of C. And so in the key of C, this is a C, your root note, is your one chord. And then as you count up in a scale, there's eight notes in the scale. The eighth one is the octave again. And so it's C and then D, and then uh, you've got an E, which is the third is a minor. And then you've got the fourth, which is F, and then the fifth, which is G to A. Uh, which is the sixth. Uh, and so this song starts on the one, goes like this, the fourth, F, the fifth, G, and those are all my uh, major chords. And then you have the minor fall, which minor chords sound sad. Here's A minor, minor fall, and then the major lift, you go back to the four, which is that F major, and it comes up again. And so the minor fall, major lift, and it, the melody goes down and then up, but so do the chords go sad and then happy again, is generally how major and minor chords are conceived or perceived. And so he really kind of, you know, like on the nose a little bit, but he really kind of went for what the, um, what the actual composition is in it. Uh, and, and it's really beautiful and it's pretty and it's kind of fun. Um, and it's a play on that first piece of like, what was that secret chord that pleased the Lord? You don't really care. I'm going to play it like this. It goes like this. This is the song I'm writing. It goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall, the major lift, four, five, six, four. And then, uh, and then saying the baffled King composing hallelujah and hallelujah for anybody who doesn't know it's all over scripture old and new testament it's all over a lot of worship music um and halle or hallel uh means to praise with exuberance um it can be taken in, especially in hebrew oftentimes uh, these exclamations like this especially in worship are both an expression and a command and so it can be a, an expression of like praise with fervor or praise with just joyous joyous exclamation and then yah at the end of it would be actually uh you know a shortened version of yahweh or god's name um 
And so it would be praise the Lord, praise Yahweh. And, it, and it's a congregational command to all who are singing along uh, to praise God together. Uh, it's also um, an expression of all praise be to the Lord or to his name. Um, and so it, it's it's actually a really great worshipful expression, except when you make it this way, where he keeps twisting it and taking it down. And there is some beauty in crying out to God from these broken places that he begins to present more and more in this song. But as he goes through, I think really the way these verses are laid out, that third line, you don't really care for music, do you? expresses the perceived futility in crying out hallelujah to a deaf ear, which is kind of the claim here. And so I don't see this as a worship song, as beautiful as the song is. I don't see this as an actual worshipful song that we should be singing and, and thinking somehow we're glorifying God by singing about how David got to a place. And, and if you read through scripture, all through second Samuel, David does get to a place. He's not in a good um, spot. His life goes pretty sideways and that's what the next verse is about. So let's get into that um, and see how that one goes. And again, it's beautiful uh, with um, Kirstie's singing and everything. So here we go. Oh, sorry. Avi sings it. You saw her bathing on the roof her beauty in the moonlight overthrew you. She tied you to the kitchen chair. She broke your throne and she cut your hair. And from your lips she drew the hallelujah. 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 Again, it's beautiful the way they've composed it. And of course, pentatonics are just phenomenal singers. Um, and so Avi, the guy who's doing all those big bass notes, uh, is the one singing that verse there. Uh, and it goes, well, your faith was strong, but you needed proof. You saw her bathing on the roof. Now, those two don't really go together. Uh, there's definitely a reference here to David and Bathsheba um, from Second Samuel. Okay, so he says... Your faith was strong, but you needed proof. Potentially having to do with this uh, David moment. In Psalm 51, after the adultery with Bathsheba, when David cries out for God not to take his spirit from him, maybe that's the proof that uh, Cohen is singing about here. But it says, you saw her bathing on the roof. And that's a direct reference to 2 Samuel 11, David's adultery with Bathsheba. It says, in the spring, when kings march out to war, David sent Joab with his officers and all Israel. So David sent everybody else when he should have been at war. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. And then one evening, David got up from his bed and strolled around on the roof of the palace. Not supposed to be there. 
From the roof, he saw a woman bathing, a very beautiful woman. And so David sent someone to inquire about her. So he looks out over the city and he sees a woman bathing. It's Bathsheba. It's the wife of his friend, one of his soldiers, one of his mighty men, one, one of his faithful guys who is out at war where David should be. And instead of joining them out at war, he's hanging out at home. He sees Uriah's wife. He's like, wow, she's hot. He brings her over. And in this really um, kind of savage power imbalance, the king says, hey, come to my palace, invites her in and um, gets her pregnant. And so it, it, this is not in any way a glorifying story to David. It's sin uh, in the adultery and, the, and in the abuse of power. And then it's even more sin uh, in what he does to try and cover it up. He brings Uriah home and tries to get him to, you know, sleep with his wife so that it's covered up. And, you know, even though she's pregnant, uh, you know, she'll, he'll think it's his kid. When that doesn't work, then he tries to get him drunk. When that doesn't work, he sends him back with a letter saying, hey, stick Uriah at the very front of the battle and make sure he dies. Um, put him in the worst part of the battle and make sure he doesn't survive it. And so David, you know, turns the whole thing into lying and cover-ups and intrigue and, and betrayal and, and um, you know, murder. It's a, it's a horrible account. And then when he's called out by the prophet uh, Nathan, he repents. And then we have Psalm 51 where David cries out, says, have mercy on me, O God, and, uh, and, and you know, take not your Holy Spirit from me. And so maybe that's the proof that he needed was that the, the spirit of God had been removed from Saul and that's where the evil spirit had been coming to torment Saul because God had removed his Holy Spirit from Saul. And so maybe maybe that's the thing was like his faith in God was strong, but he needed proof. I don't know if that's the reference there. It seems like that could be it. Um, but you saw her bathing on the roof, her beauty in the moonlight overthrew you. And so that's definitely references to Bathsheba. But then we have something different. She tied you to the kitchen chair. She broke your throne and she cut your hair. And from your lips, she drew the hallelujah. And that's kind of a filthy reference to, um, you know, a, a sexual release um, there that, you know, crying out, you know, as people do on TV all the time and in movies, um, crying out hallelujah or oh God. And so um, that's... Uh, the kind of reference there, but it's a reference to judges. She tied you to the kitchen chair. It doesn't say kitchen chair, but Samson, uh, while he's with Delilah, um, he is overcome by lust. He's already broken uh, several other of the Nazarite vows. He was a child who was dedicated to God in uh, very unique, special ways. He, he had an extra strict set of dietary and uh, just lifestyle restrictions on him to set him apart and make him holy. It's known as a Nazarite vow. It's laid out in the Torah, in the Levitical laws, and... Um, as he uh, lives by this, he's given supernatural strength to be a judge and deliverer for Israel. Uh, instead, he uses his strength to gain notoriety, fame, and the attention of women and uh, self-indulgence. And so he you know, breaks one by one, kind of breaks every piece of the Nazarite vow. Uh, one of the last things is he's not supposed to cut his hair. Uh, and, and so it's this like forever, you just let all your hair grow all over. Um, 
And he breaks that by finally, you know, he tells he tells Delilah multiple times. He says, you know, if you tie me up with strong cords, you know, or, or like bowstring or all this stuff, then I can't be overcome. And she does that. And he keeps, you know, he breaks them. And he's like, you know, he realizes like, hey, you're trying to figure out the source of my strength. You're trying to, you know, sell me out to these people and uh, to the Philistines, to the enemy. And as, even though he knows she keeps trying it, he keeps telling her. And then he finally, when she whines and complains, you lied to me twice. Well, yeah, you sicked the enemy on me. Why would I tell you what the real thing? He says, okay, okay, fine. If you shave my head, then I'll be completely powerless. And so she does. And he says, you know, she tied you to the kitchen chair. She tried that. It didn't work. She broke your throne. She cut your hair. She broke down the, the, the power that you sat on, which was really not anything from himself. It was all from his devotion to God. And when she cut his hair, she drew for, uh, from his lips, the hallelujah. She draws a false hallelujah from him in serving and worshiping her instead of God. And so here is another place where this is not a righteous song of praise. This is talking about how his lust overcame his desire to live up to the um, the call of God that he had been raised in. And he, he gives it up and then it sings hallelujah a bunch of times too. And it I feel like it kind of becomes this mockery or this irony as it goes through. Let's hear the next verse. And uh, I, I think it goes through there even more, although uh, it starts walking away from the biblical references and the verses that Pentatonix chose. So it gets uh, into, so now it, it takes with it, 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 the song takes itself on this journey away from biblical references. And really the, the two references it brings up are, there's this king who in this baffled kind of lost way happens to be able, happens upon these chords that seem to please God's spirit and yet falls himself into temptation by love and then samson broken by love love in quotes because both times that was lust not love and it's a broken twisted version of what the point of love is meant to be and instead of that it's the broken and sinful version of it where it's all about sex and fulfillment of desire um, and so now it says, well, baby, I've been here before. I've seen this room. I've walked this floor. I used to live alone before I knew you. And I've seen your flag on the marble arch and love is not a victory march. It's a cold and it's a broken hallelujah. And there's all these kind of mixed metaphors of the idea of 
you know, love is not this great conquering thing. It's this hard and broken hallelujah that like that there's kind of this callback to the idea of what hallelujah should be. And I think even in pop culture, people recognize hallelujah as you know, it's just taken on like, oh, praise, you know, like celebrate. And people be like, hallelujah, when they don't mean praise the Lord in any way. They have no idea that that's really what it means. It's just this kind of generic word of praise, you know, um, but it's kind of sullying it and dirtying it and saying that, you know, the hardships we face in discovering and pursuing love bring us to a cold and broken hallelujah there is still this cry of praise in it but really it it comes to this broken place and i think even in writing all of this leonard cohen was in a very broken place and so that's sort of what we have here with this you know the difference between the flag and the marble arch but love is not a victory march you know it's uh clever rhyme but it's also you know the idea of like you know the something like the arc de triomphe in france you know like these places that celebrate victories with flags and and arches and all of that and saying like that's not what love is love is actually this this broken thing that you kind of drag into um and arrive at in broken ways it breaks you on its way to uh, the glory of crying out hallelujah um and, and so i think it's kind of a sad thing and and this final verse sort of ties it all together and here's um here's the despair at the end of the song um we're gonna hear it right now so let's check that out maybe there's a god above but all i've ever learned from love was how to shoot somebody who outdrew you It's not a cry that you hear at night. It's not somebody who's seen the light. It's a cold and it's a broken hallelujah. 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 So this is very pretty at the end. Um, and the, the, the melody of that part, the hallelujah going over and over, it's been written into a bunch of worship songs that are amazing. And it's been used as a tag and all sorts of things. And I, I think it's an incredible song piece. Um, and there's even a Christmas version that was rewritten of this same song that instead of complaining about the brokenness of love and then kind of highlighting this emptiness of hallelujah it it goes into the christmas story which does dry out draw out of us an incredible hallelujah if we process it it's a powerful song but that's for another video so this last verse that they just sang um says well maybe there's a god above but all i've ever learned from love was how to shoot somebody who outdrew you and so uh it, it it's all about the brokenness again it's the cold and broken hallelujah is what they're getting at this whole way through it's a song of heartbreak not of praising god it's a song of the brokenness of love and crying out that like this hallelujah i think is more emblematic of the ecstasy of love and of physical love is 
one of the greatest experiences that the humans can experience and and it's something that is really only properly experienced together and yet it's one of the most painful and broken and difficult and complicated and horrible things that we engage in mostly when we engage in it outside of god's will and when we enter into it with brokenness um and selfishness and lust uh, and a lack of submission to God first, we arrive in these horribly broken places. Um, and so you have these things like shooting somebody who outdrew you. It's the idea of being shot and shooting back. That that's what, that's what they say. They've learned from love. Maybe there's a God, but I'm not giving any credit to him. I'm saying all I've ever learned from love was how to hurt somebody who hurt me. And it's not a cry that you hear at night. It's not somebody who has seen the light. They're saying it's not an act of praise. Hallelujah is a cold and broken cry of those who are in the midst of, in the throes of love, trying to work their way through this brokenness. And while that is a beautiful picture and a beautiful song, this has more in common with the modern song, Take Me to Church, about literally worshiping your sexual partner than it does with any sort of praise song. And so biblically, this pulls from two of the worst, most broken examples of powerful men blessed by God taken down to some of their lowest moments um, and to utter brokenness by their own hubris and pride and lust. And uh, in both cases, there's some restoration, even for Samson, there's some redemption at the end of his story. Uh, But that's not what's being highlighted here. There's no glory given to God in this song. And I I think as Christians, we really shouldn't be singing it because it's kind of mocking it and using language um, like this um, to instead talk about sexual ecstasy and the heights of physical love and the brokenness of trying to explore that together without the presence or existence or, or, or support or guidance or security of the true love that we have in the loving God and creator who made us. Uh, and so, yeah, I, Christians quit singing this song. Like it's some great worship song. Quit celebrating every time some pop star sings this, like, look, maybe they're a Christian. Maybe they're not because this has nothing to do with Jesus. Well, Hey, thanks for watching. Thank you for checking this out. That was hallelujah by pentatonics and lyrics by Leonard Cohen. Uh, I think again, beautiful song, beautiful melodies, uh, really creative and deep and, and heart rending lyrics, not biblical biblically based. They come from a a place, but this is not a worship song, uh, although it it is a a kind of fantastic song. Uh, And so I think as Christians, let's be careful of just jumping on anything that's like, hallelujah. Okay, well, yeah, but that's not it. Uh, If you want to hear more songs, like, subscribe, turn on the bell so you get the notifications comment below. What do you think of this song? Did I, did I nail it? Did I get it wrong? Let me know if you want to hear any other songs if if there's a song you want me to react to or maybe there's a movie clip we'll be pulling in some movie clips uh some tv show clips uh, as i can get a hold of them to to screen record them and commenting on common uh, presentations of christianity and or especially pastors in pop culture because 
Oftentimes when they stick a Christian into the middle of uh, TV and movies, they almost always get it wrong. They rarely present us in any sort of positive light. And usually we're completely misrepresented as far as uh, what we might teach, say, or do in any given situation. And so uh, if you've got any of those that you want me to hit, uh, send them to me, drop them in the comments, DM me. Uh, I'd love to talk about that. In the meantime, check out the rest of the playlist. And don't forget to subscribe, share this video with somebody who loves this song and might need to have a little bit of a gut check on why they like it so much. All right, that's it. Peace out. Be rad for Jesus.